other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I want to begin this show by thanking you, the greatest audience in America, the greatest audience in New York, if not the greatest, certainly the most numerous, uh, because we got the numbers this week. We got the June ratings for this week, and this program from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., is once again number one. We have gone up in just about every measurable category. Hume, TSL, it's time spent listening. Average share. We're doing an incredible 15 share right now. That means out of every 100 radios that are on right now, 15 are tuned to 77 WABC. And I say that not to brag, but I say this for really two reasons. One, because every week, every month when the ratings come out, I run to try and find out what they are because I'm always a little nervous that we could lose our top spot. And then every month that we hang on to that top spot, I go, Whew, and I wipe my brow with a great deal of relief. And uh, it's nice to be able to relax at least for another couple of weeks and not be on edge. But I'm saying that primarily to thank you and let you know how much I appreciate your support of this show, your patronage of this show. The audience over the course of the last year and a half of this show has really grown. And the other reason that I always am sure to mention whenever we're number one in the ratings is because we're doing the type of show that nobody else is doing, not just in New York, but really around the country. In some ways, this show is a throwback to what talk radio used to be. It's not all political. When it is political, it's not all doctrinaire. It's not all silly. It's not all just, uh, you know, anything, really. It's a hodgepodge and a variety. And in this day and age, every consultant in the world says, you can't do that. You can't do that. You got to specialize. You got to pick a narrow focus and just focus on that and then promote that. Well, Every month that you make us number one, you prove that this great experiment that, that we're embarking upon is working. So I really appreciate you listening, and a huge thank you uh, to John and Margot Katsimatidis, as well as our president, Chad Lopez, for the opportunity to do this show on a daily basis. In just a moment, we're going to explore an interesting story of someone who found themselves listening to this show when they would have rather not been listening. It's an all-too-true story to be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. This morning's lesson is that money does not always buy success. That's right. You remember, we've seen all these instances of media companies, uh, academic institutions, political consulting firms, think tanks, you name it, trying to buy talent in order to succeed. I don't think there's an area where that's more visible than in the world of sports. Well, 
Uh, next week is the All-Star Game. Very much looking forward to it. Very much looking forward to the fact that there are four members of the New York Metropolitans who are going to be participating in that All-Star Game. By the way, really hoping that we could see another home run derby win for my favorite New York Met, Pete Alonzo, because the guy just seems like an incredible, incredible person, and he's certainly a great player. But I came across... Some interesting numbers and statistics yesterday. Did you know that 12 Major League Baseball players, and if you're not familiar with the All-Star Game, basically the best players in the National League take on the best players of the American League. Now that you have interleague play and the, the delineation between AL and NL has sort of become muddied over the years, I, I think the All-Star Game is... It loses a little bit of its novelty, but it's still kind of fun. Twelve Major League Baseball players signed with new teams during the offseason. Just the most recent offseason for at least, you ready for this, $100 million. Twelve players signed for $100 million. Here's what's amazing. None of them, none of them were selected to next week's All-Star Game. Corey Seager of the Rangers, $325 million. Marcus Semien of the Rangers, $175 million. Chris Bryant, Rockies, $182 million. Matt Olson, Braves, $168 million. Freddie Freeman, Dodgers, $162 million. Javier Baez, Tigers, $140 million. Trevor Story, Red Sox, $140 million. Max Scherzer, Mets, $130 million. I'll add the, the asterisk for him that he was, of course, hurt. For almost the whole first half of the season. Robbie Ray, Mariners, $115 million. Kevin Gosman, Blue Jays, $110 million. Carlos Correa, Twins, $105 million. And Nick Castellanos of the Phillies, $100 million. Now, most of these guys, outside of Baez, Semyon, and Castellanos, are having solid seasons, which just goes to show you how hard it is to make the All-Star team. But to me, the real lesson is you're not always going to be able to buy your way to superstardom. And money may equal many things. They say it doesn't equal happiness, and apparently it doesn't equal all-stars either. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morning. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. As I mentioned, last weekend we were in Atlantic City, took Carmine for his very first trip. He was a big hit out there. They loved him at the boardwalk. They loved him at the Hard Rock. And I did not come back a loser, which is a very important thing. But while I was out there, we may get into this a little bit more tomorrow when we do the AC report. But while I was out there, I met with some of the local elected officials out there, and I learned something very interesting Evidently, they have just put a, they've just agreed to a referendum to put on the ballot where the voters of Atlantic City are going to get an opportunity to do away with parties. Imagine that you go to vote and instead of seeing Republican Frank Morano, Democrat Brian Goldstein, you just see Frank Morano and Brian Goldstein. Wouldn't that be refreshing? People don't stigmatize you for being a Republican in a Democratic city or a Democrat in a Republican city. You run based on your ideas, your ideas, your background, your experiences, your vision for the community. Now, it was Fiorella LaGuardia, the former mayor of New York City, that said uh, decades ago that there's no Republican or Democratic way to clean a street. When it comes to municipal governance, I couldn't agree more. I am big time in favor of this referendum. Then another interesting thing happened. As we were driving home, 
We had to get some gasoline, and we end up in the town of Holmdale. And I don't know much about Holmdale. I don't think I know anybody that lives there. I think we get callers from Holmdale once in a while. But from what I can tell, they're having an upcoming special election in a few weeks where the same question is on the ballot. Should they be switching from uh, the current system they have to nonpartisan elections? I have to tell you, whether it's Holmdale, whether it's Atlantic City, whether it's New York City or anything else, I am a big, big believer in nonpartisan elections because for the same reason Fiorella LaGuardia was. There really is no Democrat or Republican way to clean the street. Delivering municipal, delivering municipal services should be about putting out fires, cleaning up trash, arresting bad guys, and uh, improving the city as a whole. It shouldn't be about waging ideological warfare. It makes me laugh when I see very well-qualified people running for office in New York or Atlantic City who have no chance of ever getting elected because they happen to be Republican. Why should their views on uh, marginal tax rates or the death penalty or the war in Ukraine have anything to do with their prospects of getting elected? The reality is uh, they have no chance of getting elected in a Democratic city if they have that Republican label. And the same thing goes if you're a Democrat running in a Republican community. So whether it's Atlantic City, Homedale, or any other municipality in America, count me as a yes vote for nonpartisan elections anywhere and everywhere. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. There was a big debate, at least in my own brain, I'm not sure if it existed anywhere else, if I should still be saying good morrow to start these local commentaries because the rest of the country doesn't hear these unless they're listening on the podcast. And I guess what I decided is that we would say good morrow until it was also morning in the rest of the country. Because good morrow is like my trademark, and if we don't say it in the rest of the country, how will they know that that's my trademark? So that's the modus operandi going forward. We're going to say good morrow for the 1 a.m. hour, the 2 a.m. hour, and uh, then come the last two hours of the show, we're good morrow optional. So we'll say good morrow when it begins for everybody else. But we're going to talk about food in just a minute. And this was an interesting story for those of you that patronize the subway chain, the fast food chain subway. You may want to think twice before ordering that $5 footlong subway, the global sandwich chain. By the way, if you're looking for a, a real good sandwich, go to the White House sub shop in Atlantic City. That's the place to go. So subway, the global sandwich chain, is battling claims over l- the legitimacy of its tuna. And a federal judge just ruled the company can be sued for misleading customers about its ingredients. This is according to Reuters. These troubles for Subway and their tuna started when a disgruntled customer enlisted a marine biologist to analyze 20 tuna samples from the chain. He found 19 of them had, quote, no detectable tuna DNA sequences. There was no tuna in the tuna. So the finding kicked off a series of events. Subway released a statement, created a dedicated website, and ran commercials touting that it serves 100% tuna. The sandwich chain argued that any presence of non-tuna DNA could be due to cross-contamination with other ingredients. A U.S. district judge didn't rule out Subway's explanation, but they determined that some ingredients in the samples, for example, chicken, pork, beef, are not what a reasonable consumer would expect to find in a tuna product. That's exactly right. I mean, 
Let's say you're kosher or vegetarian and you don't like eating pork or you don't like eating beef. You think you're going to get a tuna sandwich and not have pork or beef in it? I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. So for now, Subway is standing firm. Recent menu updates don't show any tuna-related changes despite the ongoing lawsuit. And this is not Subway's first run-in with sketchy food. Back in 2017, Canadian researchers found Subway's chicken only contained 50% chicken just two years ago. In 2020, an Irish court ruled that Subway's bread isn't actually bread due to the high sugar content. Can you imagine? The company also faced a class action suit for selling foot-long sandwiches that were shorter than a foot, but that was ultimately dismissed. So we'll see where this goes. More food talk to be continued.